0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome again. My name is Colin. It's great to have everybody here today. Thanks for joining us on this first Sunday of the year. Probably you've spent at least some time looking back on 2019 and thinking back on, you know, what it's been like. And I know all of us have spent some time thinking about 2020 because we're all going to be Healthier, skinnier, more spiritual. All the, you know what I mean? The list goes on, right? We got it. We, we, we all, we've all got it going on. And some of us will look back on 2019 and we'll be looking at some high points or some low points. Some of us are looking back at 2019 and looking at some extremely low points or some extremely high points. And it just seems like that's... Uh, how life goes on, doesn't it? You look back at a period of time where you just say, oh, that was tough or that's like the, the hardest season I've been through in my life or this was awesome or you know, you got some things to celebrate. Um, I think one of the, the things that's key about becoming a mature follower of Jesus is recognizing that in the midst of all of those peaks and troughs and mountains and valleys and all the rest of it, that God is still faithful. He's in control. He's still who he says he is. And his goodness and his faithfulness can be depended on, right? In the midst of everything that that life tends to throw at us. And so I've I've asked um, uh, Mikey and Becca to sing this song to us um, because I think it will just get our heads and our hearts hopefully thinking, okay, God is good. God is good all the time. God is good and I can depend on him. And so you can remain in your seats if you want to close your eyes and listen to this or just look at the words um, you can, but just allow this kind of lyrics just to, you know, fill our hearts and our heads. Um, But let me read this, a little bit of a psalm from um, Psalm chapter 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Let's listen to this together.
1: i Good morning.
0: So, Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that uh, we can recognize that you've been present through the highs and lows of our lives, and we thank you that it is your goodness that has got us here to this point. And so we just want to recognize that as a community. We recognize that as a church. It's your goodness and faithfulness that's got us here to this point as a church family. And I pray that this will be a year when everyone sitting in these seats here this morning, for all of us, will, will learn to understand what it is to recognize your goodness and your faithfulness just surrounding us, covering us, even running after us and, and pursuing us. And I thank God that when we couldn't do anything to pursue you, when we were still dead in our messed up lives and sin and going the opposite direction, that you pursued us. And we just give you praise for that today. We believe that that sets this year off to a great footing and I pray that we'll be able to continue. As a community, to recognize your presence in our lives, so it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, "Amen, amen." Let's thank these guys for doing a fantastic job doing that this morning. Uh, a, a, a few years ago, I was in uh, California. I was there last week for vacation, but we were there a few years. I was there a few weeks ago I was doing some studies, and I suddenly realized while I was there that uh, I was only a little bit away from Burbank, where Jay Leno's. Uh, Late Show, Tonight Show, one of those was um, was was playing, and I had a few days there and a few days notice, so you're able to download uh, free tickets to those things, and so I got myself a ticket to Jay Leno's show and went along to the theatre in Burbank, an incredible uh, opportunity to see uh, the Tonight Show and. Of course, we live near New York. So what are we all doing? We should be going down to see Jimmy Fallon regularly, right? Because it's only three hours away. But I love those shows. And I remember sitting down in the, 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 audit, the auditorium of the theater and just sort of being just a little bit jealous of like the lights and the band and the, just the stage. I thought, oh, I could do this job, you know, <laughs> and uh, probably not. But like I, for a minute or two, I'm like, I really love this kind of stuff. Wouldn't it be great if, if, if every church could be like this? And... Whenever I think like that, sometimes, you know, God nudges me and just reminds me that that's not all it's about. It's not just all about, you know, a a, a good speaker and a great band and a great production thing. Those are all great tools. But our goal when we get together is to experience God's presence and to know that we were in a place where we could have an encounter with God. We're not just in a room that's, that's been prepared before we got here and in some ways produced and everything, everyone seems to know where they're sort of supposed to be at the, the right time. And although I love, you know, I mean, we're not, you know, this isn't Jimmy Fallon or anything, is it? You know what I mean? There's no, you know, uh, uh, question about that. But we do have lights and a stage and it could easily be thought, well, this is just a performance. But... But I believe that as we become a community that knows what it is to worship God, we're going to realize more and more that God wants to meet with us when we get together and meet with us in a, in a unique way. And I've, I've kind of called this, uh, this series over these next couple of weeks, it might get extended actually, you know, a bit of a warning there, The Dangerous Act of Worship. Because I believe when we worship, learn what it is to worship God, especially when we learn what it is to worship God together, that something spiritual takes place there's a spiritual transaction that goes on it's not just us singing and making some like a warm up band that's you know making a bit of noise for a speaker or something like this but when we speak out words of faith like you've just heard here and like we've just sung together then i i know that god is at work and he's doing something miraculous and i believe all my heart with all my heart that that us learning to uh Authentically and enthusiastically engaged together in worship can have an impact on our lives, but because the spiritual realm is involved as well, it could change the status quo. Like so, we're often asking the questions: Is an act of worship this dangerous act of worship? Is this something that we can only do together? Is it something that I can do on my own? Do, like, do I have to be like the next guy who like, seems like he's had too much caffeine already and like, he's, he's up for making a lot of noise, but do I, is there some mold that I have to fit in to worship God the right way? So I want to answer some of those questions over these next few weeks. You know, there's this uh, uh, writer, Richard Foster, and he says this, that worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Worship is our response to everything God has been pouring on us, this kind of over and over again, this symphony of love that God has given us, where we're just uh, just blown away by all he has done for us. The, the Bible talks in Ephesians about the love that he has lavished on us, a word that we don't use very often, that God has poured out his love on us. And so our worship is a response to everything that God has done in our lives. When we gather together as a community, We worship together to respond to the lavishness of God's love in our lives. Um, But I want to say that this spiritual thing that takes place, God also uses us, uses our beings, our bodies, our mouths, our hands, our voices to usher in his presence into a room like this one and his presence into a place where people are worshiping God. And so now I'm going to illustrate this using a passage of scripture in the Old Testament. And uh, this is going to be something that I want to unpack over these next few weeks so that we become worshippers of God. And I guess if I look back on the last year, it's probably something I haven't spoken about very often. But I want us to get more and more aware of what the Bible says through the Old Testament and the New Testament as of what, how, how God designed worship to be? Are we just singing a few songs with with lyrics, kind of that have been written by individuals that they thought were nice songs, or are we are we repeating the Scripture? Are We repeating what God intended us to sing? Are we expressing our worship with singing, with lifting our heads just because it's it's fun, because it's culturally acceptable, or because that's how God wants it to be? So we're going to look at all that. Now we're going to read a passage of Scripture. To start out this morning, and this is from Second Chronicles chapter twenty. And I want to just set this this uh, situation up a bit. Uh, this is like 850 BC. Uh, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, uh, where there was like the Northern Kingdom of Israel and, Ju- and Judah, the Southern Kingdom. They kind of like were Israel at one point, and then they split into two. And Jehoshaphat is the king of the Southern Kingdom, which sort of borders Jordan on this side in present day. And uh, and, and uh, Jehoshaphat has been made aware that. There's some enemies that are coming to take Judah down from from the that would be the uh, east, and so these these two enemies are coming towards them to sort of finish them off. So we're going to start by reading uh, when a prophet a prophet comes to uh, Jehoshaphat and says, basically, uh, Jehoshaphat, this is what's this is what's coming. So. Um, It says this, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is God's prophet speaking. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Let's keep going. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. It seems like God is going to be involved in this battle. Like, the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. It seems like it's not just going to be them fighting with everything they've got. It seems like God's got a part to play in it. You will not have to fight this battle. Take, that's, a, that's an encouraging word, right? When you hear somebody say, this battle that you're about to fight, you will not have to fight it. Does that mean it's not going to happen? Uh, We'll see. You'll not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. All right, let's keep reading. Um, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship Before the Lord. All right, that's quite incredible that God is giving his people this sense that, like, hey, I'm involved. But then he says, take up your positions. Take up your positions as if it's just going to be a regular battle. And at this point, if I was the people, I'd be thinking, okay, Josh, Jehoshaphat, how's this going to go down? How do you want us to position ourselves? What's your plan? What's your strategy? We're here, king, but give us some direction. And you'd be thinking, okay, we're, we're listening to the voice of our esteemed leader, Jehoshaphat, to give us some rock-solid direction on how this is going to end well. Okay, so then, uh, then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And here's where Jehoshaphat really gives them clear uh, instruction on how this battle is going to go. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. We'll leave that up there for a few minutes. Joshua, the first thing Jehoshaphat does is appoints people to sing. Now, I don't know if this strikes you, but it seems a little odd to me that, that there's no okay, we've got the cavalry coming in from this direction. We've got the infantry coming in here. I've got this whole battalion that you guys didn't even know about that are hidden behind this hill, and they're going to do this, and that's going to be the real deal that takes this enemy down. His number one thing, which is, just seems ludicrous, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Bottom line, worship was Jehoshaphat's strategy for winning this battle, right? That doesn't sound like a complete picture. It it seems like something's missing, but here's the thing. We're often uh, inclined to want to win battles our way rather than win battles God's way. We like to bring him in in the picture and say, hey, God, will you fix this battle I'm in here for me? And here's how I'd like you to do it. Whereas God's often got another plan. God wants us to win battles his way, win, win these battles, which, as we heard, this, this one specifically, he said, this battle is not yours. This battle is the Lord's. Like the battles that we're in, they. Be, if we give our lives to God, our battles belong to Jesus Christ. Our battles belong to our God. So we should fight them in such a way that honors him. And then we're going to keep reading. So we've got, actually, let's just read this one part one more time, just so it's really clear. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Okay, let's keep reading. Now get this. As they began to sing and praise, The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. All right. So God does the miracle. God sets the ambushes. Let's keep going. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Is this are we PG thirteen this morning? Like you've got some gruesome stuff that's going on here, 850 BC, and and, and God is is basically letting letting us know so clearly this battle was His. It was to be fought his way, and he was going to do the miracle of making the the multiple enemies destroy themselves. Phenomenal piece of Old Testament history that I think teaches us so much. Teaches us so much about the way God's plan is for us to fight battles. Could it be that God has a habit of doing miracles when we approach situations his way rather than our way? Could it be that a community like us, Anthem Church, this January what is it? Fifth December? January fifth? It's January. I'm convinced it's January. I don't know what date it is. It's fifth, right? Right. January fifth, 2020, that our, our, our existence and our lives could be changed if we learn to fervently worship God, who, the God who could generate moments of complete transcendence in our lives, where we're in no doubt that God is present that we didn't just walk in a room on a Sunday and sing a couple of songs. We came and we walked in and we recognized God is here. God has a pl- There's even a song somebody wrote a little while ago, This is How I Fight My Battles. Uh, it may look like I'm surrounded, as it may look like I'm surrounded by the enemy, but the, in reality, I'm surrounded by you, that God is all around us. God used the worship of his great name, As the thing that would usher in his presence and a victory for the people of God rather than the power of their physical army. Did you hear that? God used the worship of his great name as the thing that would usher in his presence and their victory uh, rather than the strength of their physical army. You see, for the people in Jehoshaphat's Jehoshaphat's army, they knew there could be a sacrifice involved in them going God's way. Like they could have gone their way, and they thought, well, we're just going to fight this battle. We're going to do it how we would normally do it. We're going to str- have a strategic attempt to take out this enemy. But we're going to, but they chose to do it God's way. They chose to do it God's seemingly ludicrous, almost dangerous way that wouldn't have made a lot of sense. Let's send in the worshippers first. In a sense, this like flag-waving moment of like, We are here on the authority of Lord, of God Almighty, and nobody else. And whether we live or we die today, God deserves our worship. All right? There's this confidence that they had in him that whatever happens, nothing changes the fact that God deserves our honor and we live for him. But they were ready for this sacrifice. These people were ready for their lives to end if it meant choosing God's ways over their own ways and doing it their own way. Incredible. Now, this sacrifice idea moves through history and into like the post-Jesus world, into our kind of like New Testament experience to our lives right here as well. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God, what's that word in the middle? A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips, that openly profess His name through Jesus. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly confess His name. Now, I want you to think for a minute about maybe some of the analogy that's coming. This is coming from. Think about a tree, like uh, a tree, a healthy tree, an apple tree. If it's healthy, it naturally produces apples. Very good. There was a little hesitation there, one or two places. A pear tree naturally produces... Right, you're getting good at this. A banana tree naturally produces the most disgusting fruit on God's green earth that should never be eaten by anybody, by the way, just so you know where I stand on that issue. Like, But (laughs) I'm getting some... If you do a careful translation of, of Genesis um, chapter three, you'll recognize that that fruit that Adam and Eve ate in the Garden of Eden was actually a banana, not an apple, and it actually brought constant sin into the world. All right, so just just do your own Hebrew Bible reading, and you, you'll get there. You'll get there. But so these, these trees have a habit of produ- they have a a healthy tree produces fruit naturally. And so Hebrews 15 says, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that, con- that openly confess his name. If, our, if we are the people whose lips openly confess his name, there is a fruit that should come out of our lives, and it is a sacrifice of praise. It is the kind of praise, it's the kind of worship that might cost you something. Ooh. it's the kind of worship to God that might cost you maybe some courage. It might require some courage in your life. When you're in a black spot, to exit the situation that you're in, it just seems like you should carry on fighting. And to walk in your basement and to get on your knees and say, I am going to win this battle in worship. I'm not going to just keep fighting. I'm not going to do things God's way, my way. I'm going to do things God's way. I'm going to make a decision if I'm in a conflict at work. You get a few minutes, break. One friend of mine used to tell me, he's like, I used to see the the bathroom stalls as my prayer room because if there was stuff going on at work, you need just to get away, You just go in and literally find a, a toilet to sit on and think, okay, close the door, spend some time with Jesus. Make a sacrifice of praise, and, and that is the fruit, of the natural response of people that confess the name of Jesus. God makes it clear sometimes that we're, we're, we're to surrender our dignity. Sometimes you might even feel in here like, I'm not even a very good singer, but I am going to sing because there's some curse I believe that when my lame awful voice gets to heaven, something gets translated, and it's my faith that gets to God. I make that sacrifice of how I might sound to the person sitting next to me and committing to bringing my songs of faith to God because he's the one that hears it. Anyone believe that? Anyone ready to to make that sacrifice? Maybe it's a greater belief in God and who he is. It's going to take a greater belief, a sacrifice of of what we want to do. I'm a rational person. I've got to make this logically make sense, but actually to put faith in God. Maybe it's going to take abandonment to certain things or certain views that we've held in our lives in order for us to say, God, you reign. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to exalt you with my mouth, with my words, with my hands, with my whole body, because you deserve worship, and nothing will stop me believing that. You know, the, the, uh, throughout Scripture, God gives us this model for how we're to uh, enter His presence. And it's not about what we, can, what we can perform. Like even when we sung that song this morning, Give Me a Song to Sing, I love that it's not about how great we are as singers, and I always almost, almost want to change that word where it says um, you sing, "I'll sing, and I'll sing, I'll sing." I almost want to change that to "and I'll sing off key," because that's all I got. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I was thinking in my head, here I am, like trying to sing and knowing that my voice has seen better days, but knowing as well that that God receives whatever I bring Him, and He's going to receive that as my offering to Him, and He doesn't. He knows I've got a broken, failed body, bad voice, inability to impress anybody around me. But I'm not here for that. I'm here to bring my worship to God. Psalm 100 talks all the way through the book of Psalms. It's kind of like the, this is sort of like the, the book of Psalms right in the middle of your Bible, the hymn book of the Bible. If you're a new Christian and you don't, don't know what that is, there is a book right in the middle of your Bible called Psalms. And it was the, essentially it was the Sort of like the hymn book of the of the Jewish people between sort of a thousand and five hundred BC. Like it's this is kind of like the Spotify playlist worship playlist of the Bible, you know. You've got 150 songs, poems, psalms that are written all to God. They they proclaim praise, they proclaim worship, they declare God's greatness, they speak of the anguish. Some of them are extremely vulnerable songs. About a third of the book of Psalms is King David shouting at God. He's like, God, where are you? There's honesty, there's lament, there's truth. But it, it all kind of wraps itself in this, in this place of saying, God, you reign and you rule, and nothing's going to stop us putting you on your throne. But Psalm 100 is kind of interesting. And it says, uh, we'll read all, all four five verses of Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. awesome five-verse psalm in the middle of of Psalms right there. There's one verse I want to kind of like uh, highlight, and it's verse 4. And it says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So it gives this idea from the Old Testament temple where there's these different layers, levels of intimacy as the building was built of like entering the gate. The very moment you come in, there's this attitude of thanksgiving. That to fight our battles, God, to fight battles God's way, we've got to remember that God has a plan. It's like He has a protocol for us to come before Him. Now, I know I'm British and everything, but I watch The Crown a lot. And uh, you may not have noticed that, by the way, but uh, I watch The Crown. And you'll notice if you watch The Crown or any kind of British thing about. The monarchy that there is always there is a pretty clear protocol on how to uh, enter the presence of the monarchy. Right? I mean, uh, you know, they get announced on the way in, and it's it's always Your Majesty, and there's very clear terminology with which to um, uh, respond to and to speak to royalty. Um, and even when they exit like I mean you 'll see people exit out of the queen 's presence, and, and even today you 're not supposed to turn your back on the queen you're like this is just like hard work. Come on people, can we change that rule so you can get to where you 're going quicker? but if you 're in the presence of of uh, of the monarch there 's all these rules and that you 've got to fulfill and if If the queen comes to America or anywhere, um, usually um, uh, the whatever state she is uh, country she 's visiting will honor the the protocol of of royalty as. You know, an outside nation receives them. And so imagine there's a protocol for entering God's presence as well. Like the the, the royalty doesn't get any higher than that, right? The Queen of England, forget that. But like the the, the, the King of Kings, we should want to know what the protocol is, what the way is to come into the presence of Almighty God, right? Because that's what we're doing here. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of it. We're, we're just two people are together. God is there in a more unique fashion than he is presumably when we're on our own. Like I believe in the, in the continual presence of God. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But there's a reason why there's that verse in the Bible that says, where two or three, just the smallest number of people, gather together in his name, he is there in the midst. God's presence is in this place. So, so there's a, a, a new translation of, of the Bible called The Message. And Psalm 100, verse 4, in that translation, says this, enter with the password, thank you. Like, let me make this real simple for us in a day when we're used to, like, passwords and stuff. Like, I've got a list on a Google document of all my passwords. I shouldn't have told you that because some of you probably could figure out my... Uh, anyway, um, but we'll move on. Cut that out just in case somebody goes, I got a list of, of all my passwords, but there should be a, a, one of them that says, entering the presence of God. The password is thank you. The password for entering God's presence is to enter with thanksgiving. But so Whatever situation we're in to know that, yes, God, I've had a crappy week. Yes, God, you know where I've been this week. You know what's going on. But I'm going to make the decision to enter your house with thanksgiving. That's not being fake. That's not being not authentic or not being real. God knows what we've been through. But whatever we've been through, God is still God. God is still worthy of our worship. So we enter with that password. Thank you. Make yourself at home. Talking praise, thank him, worship him. Now, I want to uh, kind of draw this to a close by reading a um, excerpt from a book that I um, I, I got in 1988. Uh, in April of 1988, I was playing bass at a at a conference, and one of the speakers was a guy named Terry Law, who wrote this book called "The Power of Praise and Worship." And Terry Law had had been uh, leading a ministry. Uh, music and preaching on the other side of the Iron Curtain before like the Berlin Wall came down through uh, Eastern Europe, uh, Russia, Poland, Hungary, uh, Bulgaria, all those kind of like Eastern European countries. And seeing incredible things happen, seeing miracle after miracle take place through the work that they were doing out there. And then he was away on one of these trips at one time. And he was probably in his late 30s, something like that back then. He was away on one of these trips. And um, in the middle of the night, Somebody came into his room, and uh, this person's name was uh, his name was David. But uh, one of his ministry partners came into his room, and said, "Terry, he began, I have some terrible news. We just got a a call from Tulsa. Jan has been killed in a car accident. Jan was Terry Law's wife." For ten minutes, I sat there in bed, stunned, not moving, and then I said that it was all a dream, and I would go back to sleep. When I woke up, it would all be okay. But this was no dream. My wife was dead. 30 minutes later, I was on the phone telling my children that their mummy has gone. Imagine that. I mean, most of us haven't had to experience that. I'm sure most of us have experienced some loss in our lives. But the experience of losing a spouse would be the most ex- excru- or a child would be the most excruciating thing imaginable. A little bit later, it says, Following the funeral, I couldn't pray. I became angry and bitter towards the Lord. I blamed him for letting Jan die. After all I had done and endured for the gospel, I thought this was terribly unfair to me. Later, I realized I was angry at the wrong person. God did not cause my wife's death. He met uh, a couple of months later with a friend of his. And uh, it says this, after about two hours, Robert stood up pointing his finger at me and said, Terry, I'm going to tell you something that could save your life if you do what I say. I knew he was referring to my spiritual life and was eager to hear anything that helped. Go home. Get down on your knees and start to pray in the Spirit. You have got to begin to praise the Lord. I was flabbergasted. How could I do that? I hurt. I was numb. I felt nothing. I can't. I protested. But Robert was insistent. You have to, Terry. You have to. This is another brother, follower of Christ. Like Look at him eyeball to eyeball, sharpening this guy's relationship with God by encouraging him to look at this spiritually. Not physically. The next morning, my alarm went off before daybreak. I knelt by my bed and tried to enter into praise. It was one of the most excruciating spiritual experiences of my life. The inner pain seemed unbearable. I said the words, praise the Lord. They sounded hollow. They echoed in the room. I said, hallelujah. My thoughts began to taunt me. It was the devil who answered me, Terry Law, you are a hypocrite. How can you praise God after he killed your wife? The devil was sowing seeds, sowing lies in my mind. You don't really mean those words, he said. You're lying. It's difficult to describe in words what I felt. I actually believed the enemy. How could I praise the Lord when I felt this bitterness and anger inside? I was so tempted to give up. Time passed slowly. 15 minutes seemed like a lifetime. Gradually, I came to a moment of truth. I knew I had to make a decision. The words of Psalm 34 verse 1 came to me, says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Spiritually, I was looking into a dark abyss of despair and self-pity. I felt that I had good reason to feel sorry for myself. Hadn't I risked my life for God time and time again on mission fields all over the world? This just wasn't fair. The words came again, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And the devil answered, you might as well give up. There's no hope. God has failed you. Then I decided, I said out loud, Lord, I will bless you at all times. Your praise will continually be in my mouth. Something happened way down deep in my spirit. I had taken that last step towards God, but the devil does not give up easily. He taunted me again. When you praise God that way, you're lying. You don't mean those words. How can you? I said it louder. Lord, I bless you at all times. The battle was on. I waited for some kind of emotional release, some kind of inner help from God, but it didn't come. I was acting on sheer willpower alone. I was praising the Lord in obedience to his word without assistance from my feelings. That's, that's a tough thing to do, because often it's our feelings that allow us to decide to worship God. He's talking about an experience of deciding to worship God where, where, where there's no feeling that comes to be a part of it. I praised God for 30 minutes, then an hour, then an hour and a half, and then two hours, and still I felt nothing. Somewhere between two and two and a half hours, I felt a pressure building up inside. It was like water building up behind a dam. I kept praising. I felt like the dam would explode. And then it did. With a mighty rush, I began to cry with hot, stinging tears. My shoulders began to heave. It was like a cramp in my stomach that had suddenly released. I raised my hands. How many hours I was on my knees, I don't even remember. But the spirit of prophecy came upon me and I began to prophesy my own healing. I felt the Holy Spirit take the oil of healing and pour it over my fractured, torn emotions. I was being healed. Obedience in praise and worship had brought healing to my inner man. Guys, that's the, the miracle that God wants to do in our lives as we approach our lives and we approach the battles that we are in. And this describes the worst of battles. As we learn to, dis, to approach the battles that we are in with that commitment that God, I will approach my battles your way. That I will face my battles with my eyes towards heaven and with my faith and my trust in almighty God. And honestly, I feel like this is is just the beginning of some of these thoughts I wanted to share with us in this theme of the dangerous act of worship today. But I want us to, I would like us to stand to our feet because we're going to worship together this morning. And I, I pray that just this short little bit of teaching might encourage you to take that step. Terry Law talked about taking that additional step towards God. And together this morning, we're going to sing the song that Mikey and Becca just led us in earlier. To sing and to declare the goodness of God. So let's pray together and we'll worship. Father, I believe that you have us on the beginning of a journey to learn and to understand what it is to be a community with hands held open to the greatness of a God who loves us and who wants to enter into our lives and our battles in a miraculous way. Father, will you make this the beginning of a new journey for each one of us, I pray in Jesus' name.